Ever bite off more than you can chew? For anyone out there struggling to get their house in order, or their job, or their relationships, let's talk about all the ways you shoot yourself in the foot by overcomplicating them. Maintaining a work-life balance keeps getting harder, but it doesn't have to. This is The Big Balance, a podcast for anyone struggling to stay ahead or even just keep up with work, life, and everything in between. Join us each week for practical advice you can actually apply to get a little sanity back in your day. If you've been a fan of the show for a while now, you probably know that John and I are both consultants. I've described working as a consultant as being very project-driven, and that's a lot different than other jobs where maybe you have a core set of tasks, you come in, you do them every day, you finish, you go home. When you have that consistent kind of day-in, day-out job, I think the number of hours you work would, at least generally, I'd say, stay pretty consistent too. When you're project-based, not so much. Some weeks you have a lot going on, others are more sparse. And people leaders don't like the idea of idle hands during sparse times. So they like to assign, uh, I almost want to say busy work, and it can be, but really just, we'll say, internal projects. Now, why do I mention any of this? A couple months ago, a few teams in my company were in one of these billable hour famines, and we all came together on what started us I would say a pretty simple, straightforward side project. We're going to make a thing and present it internally. And then it got bigger and more people got involved. And now we need approval chain reviews from four different groups, committee style with like a ton of bureaucratic bullshit thrown in between. And to make matters worse, the whole cyclical nature of project work comes back into play. Now we all do have billable work again. And this monster of an internal project is just this giant anchor weighing us down because we overcomplicated the hell out of it. I know I'm not alone in this. I know everybody out there listening can relate. And that's today's topic. Why do we seem to default to overcomplicating everything in our lives? Everyone's heard of KISS. Keep it simple, stupid. It's a hell of a design principle, and honestly, it's just plain old good advice for most aspects of life. But even though we've all heard it, I don't think we do a good job of living it. Enter overcomplication, the art of taking something simple and transforming it into some stress-inducing, complex monster of a disruption in our lives. Why do we do that? What makes our brains gravitate towards overcomplication time and time again when we logically know that we're going to make trouble for ourselves? In this episode, we'll talk our way through reasons as well as some ways to keep ourselves firmly rooted and committed to the KISS method. To kick things off, can we pinpoint why we feel the need to complicate in the first place? That's a good first step. We can't really solve a problem if we don't know what's causing it. I have a short list I want to run through, but before I do that, I want to introduce a term that I really do think underpins all of this. Let's talk about this thing called complexity bias. Complexity bias is a tendency to take something that's somewhat simple and drill into it until we make it complicated. It's also the feeling that we get 
when a complex solution is somehow inherently better in our minds than a simple one would be. If that's a bit too ambiguous, I have a good example. I think we can all relate to, at least I know it's a good one for me. I'm out of shape, right? I should be trying to get less out of shape. How can I do that? Well, I can and have planned out a gym schedule that alternated beautifully between cardio and resistance training, can and have researched high-intensity interval training routines to pack really as much power as I can into my gym trips, and I put, I would say, honestly, more hours than I really ever needed to into diet research. And the result? Whole thing fell through. All of it. Why? Because I was an amateur exerciser taking on this professional schedule in the middle of a busy life. This overly complex routine basically crumbled under its own weight. You want a simple strategy to get in shape? Here you go. Get up, move your body for 30 minutes a day quickly and with purpose. Once you do that consistently, maybe see if you can bump it up to 60. That's it. Would that well-choreographed routine be better? Probably, yeah. But only if I actually did it. And I did not. One quick fun twist here, normally when we're talking our way through the why questions on this show, we do it in one of two ways. Sometimes we say we as in the royal we way of thinking, or we as members of a company. Other times we're talking really about each of us directly as individuals. What I think is interesting about this topic is, to me, we kind of have to think about both of those definitions at the same time for this one. So let's keep that in mind as we go through this list. Number one, we have a vague scope of the issue, or at least a vague understanding of it. Have you ever been handed a job to do, but the person giving it to you wasn't as clear as they needed to be, at least for you? I see this a lot, usually with newer hires that are fresh out of school. Somebody gives them a really vague scope of work that, hey, if you have a decade of experience, you can probably fill in the gaps on your own. But they don't. So it means nothing to these new people who don't have any personal knowledge to fill in the gaps. Unfortunately, a lot of these people are the same ones who get nervous about seeking clarity, like it's a sign of weakness or stupidity. So they attempt to fill in the blanks themselves. And to continue on with the goal of not looking stupid, they'll usually fill in those blanks with the craziest, most overcomplicated solutions to show, hey, I'm worth my salt. This leads into issue number two. We've never done this thing before, so we cast a wide net. Let's go back to Brian exercising. I'm not an expert. I don't know what has the biggest impact, so I'm going to hedge my bet. I'm going to take a little bit of everything, even remotely related to exercise or health and fitness, and I'm going to sprinkle it into this gigantic plan, like some kind of weird workout mutual fund. Honestly, it's the sheer number of things alone that I'm putting on my plate that creates that complexity, even if every individual element is relatively simple. Number three, we have a fear of our competition. What if we're not doing enough? What if a competitor offers more? Well, we can't ever really know that. All we can really do is try to go above and beyond in the face of competitive uncertainty. On the job, this may be a sales team that overpromises to win new business. In our personal lives, this is probably going to be something like planning a crazy first date to make the biggest, best impression possible. Even if, you know what, hey, you know damn well you just want to sit on your couch on some Friday nights. Let's be real honest here. Next up, we draw false comparisons. We see or read about other people doing something similar successfully, and we try to copy it because, hey, they were successful, maybe we can be too, doing exactly what they did. 
But there's a lot of differences probably between what they did and were capable of and what you are going to try. This is like wanting to learn how to paint and then getting immediately frustrated that you can't really nail Picasso's style early on. Or hey, you know what? Let's take podcasting. There's a lot of guides out there that John and I could follow for people that are trying to have a show like Joe Rogan. The results are great. Huge fame, success, money rolling in. But the inputs required are a lot more time, money, and connections than the average show is going to have. John and I aren't that show. Those guys would be complete overkill for us. And finally, the good old-fashioned inability to say no. If your boss's boss hears about the project you're working on, comes in and wants to tack on a few bells and whistles, how comfortable are you personally saying no? A lot of times, you would not be alone in folding and taking on that extra work. So it's probably not a complete list, but in my mind, I think, at least for me personally, those are really the big factors in why I overcomplicate things, why I see the people around me overcomplicating things. I know we already talked about complexity bias being one underpinning concept throughout all of those. I think another one's going to be timing as well. A lot of times when we're overcomplicating, it's not because we're spending weeks and weeks and weeks planning. I think the exercise routine might be one of the exceptions to that. A lot of times when we're overcomplicating on the job, it's because we're given something in the moment and we're responding to it with an overcomplicated plan in the moment. So how do we avoid doing this, especially when, hey, we might not have a whole lot of lead time to come up with an answer? Now, let me pause for a minute and circle back to kind of the inciting incident for this episode, this internal special project that I got put on that really started as a simple thing and spiraled just completely out of control. How many of the factors we've talked about here were really responsible for it? The biggest one in my mind is that issue of scope being incredibly vague. We started this project with only kind of a, a high-level understanding of what we wanted to accomplish from leadership in our company and just kind of sort of filling in the blanks of what we thought might be needed but never really got a lot of clarification on. And that really opened the door to all of these other random elements getting added in, other teams getting added in. When the other teams got added in, new layers of approval getting added in. So I think if we had a better handle on scope from the get-go, half of our problems would have been solved. The other half, and I think this is somewhat related to scope as well, we were very vague in assigning roles and responsibilities, really who's in charge of what. There's no one person who actually owns this project. We all, quote unquote, own our individual pieces. But because there's no overarching leadership for this project, no one's really there to say no to anybody from the outside giving, uh, giving suggestions for how we can improve by making it more complex. So really, I guess we pivoted from having that vague scope uh, all the way into maybe not inability to say no, but not having a specific agent or specific person in front who was even capable of saying no. We didn't have that resource in place. So that's where I'm at. And maybe you out there listening are in a similar situation or going through this list of reasons for overcomplicating. Maybe some of these resonated with you and you're wondering, what do you do? I know I'm wondering what I'm going to do. So let's take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to delve into some possible solutions to this overcomplicated problem that honestly, we probably brought on ourselves.
Now, I do have some, I guess I would call them higher level strategies we can follow to keep us on the simple path from here on out in our lives. But before we go there, I do want to go back to the first half and get some really direct solutions to the specific issues that I brought up. So in the same order as the first half, uh, let's start with vague scope. You don't have to be afraid to ask for clarity. You should not be afraid. If you're worried about sounding stupid, saying something like, I don't get it, then let's pivot to a more solution-oriented inquiry. All right? From what I understand, I should do X, Y, Z. Am I on the right track? Or my interpretation of the scope you gave me is ABC. Is that fair or is there another way to think about this? Offer a solution, not just a question stating you don't know. Try to be proactive. And that proactivity alone will show somebody, hey, this person's at least thinking in the right direction. Fear of competition and false comparisons, I want to tackle together. I think they're kind of similar. This is the fear of the unknown. Now, you're never going to know everything, but you can always know more. So do your research, know your market, and turn inwards as well. This is whether you're selling what your company offers or you're selling yourself on that first date. Be confident in however far you're willing to go and understand that if that isn't enough, upping your game in the short term isn't going to be a long-term feasible solution anyway. And inability to say no. This one's easy. Tough shit. Learn to say no. Uh, It's uncomfortable, yeah, especially with your boss or your boss's boss, but you need to be able to draw a line in the sand between what you can and cannot do or will or will not do. You're going to go insane if you don't draw that line. I'd say 90% of the self-inflicted stress that people put themselves through on the job or maybe personally as well is just not feeling comfortable saying no to something that they're not comfortable doing. So they go along with it and stress themselves out. Now onto some higher level thinking to hopefully reshape our approach to be a little bit more KISS friendly. Let's start with having a solid North Star. I start there because I honestly think it's probably the most important one. Having a North Star is going to be incredibly critical to our success. What's the actual reason for us getting together and doing this thing? If we can't articulate that in a really short, simple way, Either we don't understand what we're actually trying to do, or we're biting off way too big a chunk. And either way, we're headed down the road of overcomplexity already. So let's craft a mission statement. And when we're doing that, keep in mind that we're all about being exclusive and limited, right? No more than three or five main goals for whatever North Star mission statement we're writing. If that's not feasible, if the project needs to have 8, 10, 12, 15 pieces, well, maybe we need to break it down into phases. What are the three to five that are phase one? Let's just put everything else aside until that phase one, three to five is done. Really, another way to ask this is, if you have a laundry list of things, think critically. Can this project, can this initiative, can this whatever be done successfully and true to our goals without doing this or this or this? If the answer is yes, cut them. And when considering these goals, don't let the status quo negatively impact how you're trying to achieve them. Process gets better over time. Uh, We just talked about in the last episode using AI to automate our jobs. How you did things yesterday may be more complicated than they have to be. There might be better solutions today. There might be even better solutions tomorrow. So going with an open mind around the tools you have at your disposal right now. Next Learn to spot over complexity. Recognize the flags. 
We've all worked on overly complex projects. That's why we're here talking about it. That's why you're here listening to me right now. You know what it looks like. You know what to look for. You just never actually had to act on it before. But now you're a champion of simplicity, so here's what you're going to do. If you see signs of overcomplication, raise the alarm. Okay, mention the impact going down this road has had in the past and maybe it will have in the future. Maybe that will resonate with the people that are trying to bring that complexity in. But don't sit around waiting for those flags before you make communication a high priority either. Keep people constantly aware of your actual goal, that North Star we defined. If we're drifting from it, bring it up uh, and bring up the danger of letting it happen. If you can quantify that, all the better, right? We'll spend this much more time. It'll stretch timelines this much more if we add in these additional bells and whistles or we need to drag in these additional resources. But simple communication, right? Don't try to solve over complexity by adding complex messaging to it as well. Here's a real kiss-friendly weekly status update, right? Here's what we thought we'd accomplished last week. Here's what we did. Here's what we didn't do. Here's what we need to do to resolve it. In the case of overcomplexity, here's the path we thought we were going to follow. Here's the ways we've deviated from it to try to add some bells and whistles in. Show of hands who thinks it's necessary. Nobody? Great. We're cutting it. We're going back on the path we were on. Now, to close out our discussion of solutions, once again, return to the Brian case study, this massively overcomplex internal project I'm working on. Given everything we've talked about here, what's the right path for me and this group of people I'm working with? Honestly, step one is going back and fixing the very first mistake we did, which is not having that really strong North Star to start the project. We need to go back, define to management, hey, this is what we plan on doing. This is all we plan on doing. We also need to assign roles and responsibilities. We need one person in charge Hopefully not me because I don't want to have to deal with it. Uh, But we need one person in charge to go to management with that message and say, look, if you want more than what we're offering here, keep in mind that it's going to extend how much time we need to do it. And keep in mind that we all have our own client work now, you know, that that, uh, feast or famine period. We're back in feast mode. We have plenty to work on. Are you, as our leaders, willing to let project work go by the wayside to get all this over-complex bells and whistles done? I would say probably not. I think we need to be better at communicating with upper management, but also among ourselves about where we are and how we're feeling about where we are and where we're going. I don't think there's a whole lot of uh, organization in this project that we're working on. So if we can be better at communicating, if we can better organize ourselves around a role and responsibility chart, as it were, uh, and really stick to just just few three to five things we want to accomplish, maybe we can get back on track and get this thing done. Is that going to happen? I don't know. Time will tell, but it's worth trying. In the true nature of the topic of this episode, I want to take this nice, complex set of things we're talking about today and boil it down in the simplest way possible. Perfect is the enemy of good or perfect is the enemy of done. If you're out there struggling with way too much on your plate, let's take a step back. Let's pause for a minute and realize a lot of that complexity might be things that you're creating on your own. Because maybe at the end of the day, it's a lot simpler than we think. So that's going to do it for us today. Hopefully, if you're out there struggling with these issues, giving you a little bit of food for thought, uh, feel free to drop us a line and tell us about the 
uh, overcomplication issues you're having at 484-273-0223 or send an email to us at bigbalance at gmail.com. Otherwise, we'll see you next time. Thanks for tuning in again to the Big Balance Podcast. And as always, please help us out by liking, subscribing, and leaving us a rating or review wherever you get your podcasts. Until next time.